Welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. Just got back from a trip out west. Went to that secret gambling meeting I was talking about earlier. Had a good time. Met some good friends. Made a lot of new friends. Real nice people. And um, I had a good time. And then I went to Vegas. Um, kind of re- had a reunited uh, reunion with um, with some guys I grew up with. Hung out downtown. Met a couple of the guys at Circa: Derek Stevens, Mike Palm, uh, Matt Metcalf, Jeff Benson. A lot of those cats, and you know, it was nice just chilling out with those guys and having a little conversation with them. Met my buddy Dinky while I was out there. It was a good time. I'm, unfortunately, I was only out there for a short while. I couldn't really see everybody I wanted to see. But uh, so anybody out there in Vegas, sorry if I didn't, you know, we didn't get together. Um, I also met some uh, some other new cats, um, you know, some up and comers in the business, some sharp kids out there that seemed to know what they were, what was up. Good guys, and um, it was a good time. I really uh, I really enjoyed myself and. Um, you know, it's good. There's guys I do business with that I never even seen, so it was nice to put a face to a voice. And um, it's always fun going out to Vegas and catching up, and um, you know, seeing what's up. All right, so um, I'm gonna be. Uh, I, I put up a Q&A request. Got a lot of questions I want to get to. I try to answer every question best of my ability, and. Um, Let's see what's up with that, and uh, hopefully I can uh, share some knowledge and um, maybe even learn something along the way. All right, let's do this here. Tommy Haddad at T Haddad nine. Do you have a bet correlated polys? Are these a big source of edge for professional betters? Hey Tommy, um, yeah, correlated parlays are not what they used to be. They're still out there, you know. There's still correlated parlays, and there's still a nice edge. It's just another tool in the, in the in the tool belt for a better. You know, you definitely want to be able to use it at the time. You know, there's still a few places that'll still take the most obvious correlated parlays, like minus 45 on a college football game and over 50. You know, crazy stuff like that. But um, there's a lot more subtle ones, and um, that are correlated, and um, they exist everywhere. So um, you know, I invite you to try to seek those out. But there's definitely ways to earn with correlated parlays. I think that you know it depends on a bookmaker. I think it's an easy way to get kicked out. So I would kind of tread lightly on stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely uh, an edge. I don't know if it's a big source, you know, everyone to each his own. But for us, you know, it's just one of the many tools we have in our arsenal. Jim Viviano, at Jim Viviano, do you believe there's still an edge in MLB money lines? Yeah, just like everything else, Jim. Though I think the edge decreases over time. It's tougher and tougher every year. Um. You know, if I was betting baseball these days, you know, I'm looking at totals more than sides. Um, and, and it's hard, you know what I mean, with baseball. Baseball's a tough sport. Um, you know, it used to be, um, you know, bookmakers would always tell me if they could take the baseball season off would be great. Um, but now, you know, it's kind of like the opposite. Bookmakers like booking baseball, even on dime lines. It's just one of those things in which, you know, it's... Um, it's 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 just it's it's the edges are gone. A lot of the edges are gone. Is it still beatable? Yeah, everything's beatable if the, enough work puts into it and enough time goes into it. But um, it's definitely dwindled away. Cowboy kid, I'm Marlboro Reds. I've been beating the closing line, betting on stale lines, but still down money after a hundred bet sample size. Do you ever bet the other side before the game and try to middle it? Yeah, you know, we'll definitely middle games if we feel as if the line over moved and we feel a bookmaker over adjusted. 
Um, I think that more Cowboy Kid, a 100-bet sample size is not enough. And keep in mind, if you're going to beat the closing line, you got to beat it enough to overcome the VIG. So usually if you're beating it, let's just say by a half a point, it's not going to be enough. You want to be able to significantly beat that closing number to be able to overcome that bookmaker's VIG and turn the edge in your favor. Next question, Benjamin at Ben C Sports. How is your approach different when betting MLB versus football and basketball? It doesn't seem like there's as much closing line value in a money line sport like baseball. Yeah, exactly. There isn't. Um, baseball is hard. It's definitely not our best sport. So, um, you know, can we still earn it? Can we still beat it? Sure, but you know what I mean? We kind of focus more on totals, maybe a little first five innings, um, you know, a lot of the derivatives and the props and stuff. But yeah, it, it, it's baseball is hard. It's it's not an easy game to beat, and um, and um, you know I think uh, I think totals, just like in any any sport, you know totals is is kind of like that soft spot where you where you can attack the bookmaker, and 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 you have a better shot at winning. Uh, Rick Rick Stocks at Rick's five 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 zero. When you go to a sports book, do you tip when cashing tickets? I do not um, tip when cashing tickets ever. Um, instead, I tip when I'm actually placed before I place my bets. Um, tipping when cashing tickets is nothing really exciting about that. I kind of want to be able to have my tip stretch out to be able to help me get down. So, you know, what I like to do is I like to give a teller a tip right when I start so then I know that then that teller is going to try to find a way to be able to execute those uh, punch in those tickets as fast as possible you know I don't really bet at sports books anymore and physically as, as, as you know it's just those days are long gone now pretty much but um, but uh, if I do do that I try to tip before I start the session a buddy of mine used to work with me he used to you know work downtown and he had the whole thing figured out. He would buy, uh, he would buy all the Tellers pizza. You know, he's working there every day, so he'd buy the Tellers pizza on Friday, bring bagels in every morning. You know, you know, it was like, um, you know, the Tellers loved them. And when you get the Tellers and even the bookmakers and the clerks, everybody on your side, then you know what? If you need an extra dime on this or an extra this on that, and you know, if you need things to go a little bit faster, everybody looks out for you. You know what I mean? It's one of those things in which I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Um, they understand what we're trying to do. We're just trying to get down as fast as possible. Um, and we want to be able to, you know, and sometimes it's a race. You know, you're racing against other people. So when you do stuff like that, and if there's a tie, um, usually the tie goes to the nicest guy. And you try to be the nicest guy. You know, you never want a bookmaker to, you know, put you ahead of somebody that beats you to a number. No, that's not right. You never ask a bookmaker to do that. But, um, you know, if there is a tie... You would hope to win uh, those uh, a lot more often than not. All right, Marcus Erickson at Marcus Erickson. Looks like there's a lot of questions here. How do you determine your weekly, monthly, and yearly profit goals? We kind of don't really set goals, Marcus. We just do our thing and make money. Um, you know, it's one of those things I've been doing it for so long. So we just boom, 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 grind it out and, and earn. That's it. Uh, how long would it take for, to turn 10k into 100k and more importantly how would you go about it you know to be able to multiply your money Marcus by 10 times if you want to turn 10 dimes to 100 dimes um, I don't think you should be betting sports I think you, if you're going to bet you probably should do some middling or arbitrage <coughs> um, to be able to have you know low risk of losing that whole bankroll um, that's a big goal to have. So I definitely would be middling games, scalping games to try to build it because, you know, you, you could have the best edge in the world and, 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 and bet, but, you know what I mean, 10 dimes, if you're betting, I don't know, a dime a game or whatever it is, I don't know how much you're betting a game, I'm just, you know, just guessing, but you want to be able to, uh, if you're going to try to make 100000 you're going to have to be betting some type of good money. So it's one of those things in which, you know, you could, you could go broke. And um, and I think for anybody starting off, if you want to build up your bankroll in this business, I think the most important thing is not to make as much money as possible, but to lose uh, 
as least money as possible or to eliminate that risk or bring it down as close to zero as possible but still grind out a profit. So I think middling and scalping and hedging, all these things I think are uh, very underrated tools, especially for somebody starting off. Lowest ROI to be successful. Eh, you know, you could be successful with any ROI. It all depends on the volume you put in. Um, I'd rather make 1%, 2% of a billion than 5% of a million. So it's it, ROI, I think, is, is, is not an important number. Same thing with a bookmaker's hold. These hold percentages are just not important. What's important is the bottom line, the profit, the dollars. How many dollars are you bringing in? A lot of people get caught up in, in hold and, and ROI. And, um, you know, you want to be able to put in that volume and make the money, you know, to bring in uh, as much money in as possible. Um, you know, Pinnacle Sports, they have a very low ROI, a lot lower than most bookmakers but they write a lot of volume, and you know, and, and that's the model. Um, you know, it, it, it all comes down where other bookmakers they might not write as much, but they have a higher ROI. It's whatever works for you and your business model. Do matchups ever factor into your wages? Um, you know, not really. Everything's reflected into the line, so I don't know if it depends on the sport, but um, you know, not really. Your favorite markets are our best markets are the college markets, college football, college basketball. You just asked about 75 questions, Marcus, but it's all good. All right. Benjamin at Ben C Sports. In regards to NFL Wong teases, when there are more than two teams that qualify in a given week, how do you determine which teams to tease with which? Do you do tease every possible combination of teams? Yeah, you know, you want to be able to stretch out your equity, diversify everything, and you kind of want to have as many teams as possible if you're able to get a, go through that three and seven on those teams. Um, so it's good to just, you know, do round robins on all those guys and just have everybody, every team working for you. But if you had to choose, if somebody put a gun to your head and choose, hey, which are the best teams, you kind of want to choose the, the two games with the lowest totals. Because, you know, uh, uh, the value of a point spread is going to be worth a lot more with a lower total on the game. Um, so, if you're teasing through 3 and 7 on a total of 37, that's a lot more important than a lot more valuable than teasing through the same numbers on a total of, say, 55. Alright, Los at Los Vegas 514. Yo, Spanky. Going to the Sloan Sports Conference, if you were invited, what would you speak about? Would you challenge your position on betters like yourself being limited, banned to the suits? I'm sure will be there. You should be the betters voice. Hey, thanks, Los. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I'm not really. I'm gonna probably be going up to Boston just to say hello to some friends of mine. Um, I would never be invited to speak in any of these places. I'm not polished enough. You know, I'm, uh, it's just not for me, you know, and, and it's just one of those things in which I, you know, uh, even if I was ever invited, I don't know, you know, I have to put on a suit and, and, and look sharp and stuff on a stage. That ain't me, you know what I mean? I, I go to work in a sweatpants and a t-shirt and, um, uh, I don't look sharp, I bet sharp. So it's just, it's just not my thing. I'm a, I'm a gambler. Um, and, um, you know, it's, uh... It, it, it's just not my cup of tea. I never tried it, you know what I mean? If somebody said something, maybe I'd give it a shot, but most likely I'm not holding my breath. I don't think anybody will ever want to invite me to any of this stuff. Um, again, I'm just not refined and polished as some of these other guys that talk for a living and that like to, you know, that engage in, in a lot of communication, conversation, where I'm more just looking at numbers and betting, betting, betting. So it's just different. Um... And I don't think a lot of the, you know, the Sloan Sports Conference is one of those conferences. A lot of smart guys there, but it's not really gambling focused, um, you know, versus the other conference, the Betting on Sports America. Whereas, you know, just all bookmakers, software providers, bettors, gamblers, everybody there. So it's kind of like my cup of tea. Those are my people's kind of thing. Um, 
where I just, you know, you, you just know people, bookmakers and betters. It's kind of gamblers. Everybody's in the business. Whereas this thing, there's a lot of guys that are just, you know, looking at players and, and, and um, you know, there's players and team owners and this, that, and the other thing. And again, it's just not, that's not, you know, I'm not, I don't get excited about stuff like that, um, meeting players and all that stuff. And it's, um, you know, it's just not really my cup of tea. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of really nice people at this launch. The reason why I kind of go is because there's a lot of really cool people to meet there and a lot of uh, a lot of people to, really nice guys, like nice, genuinely nice people. So that's what I love, you know what I mean, meeting good people. And even if they're not big into gambling or whatever, it's nice to just be able to make new friends. Alright, uh, what do we got here? Sports investing at Tanner Fares. Do you believe legalization in the U.S. has affected the offshore volume at all? If so, how much? Yeah, I think that uh, all these regulated sportsbook expanding has actually increased offshore volume. Um, even Nevada, who's had bookmaking for decades, even their handle has gone up. So I think that, you know, awareness that, you know what, you could gamble on sports, you can bet on sports, all these ads and commercials and this, that, and the other thing, these billboards... I think people are getting aware it's kind of spreading the industry and expanding the industry out to just the regular guy or the regular gal um, that want to be able to bet sports. So I think it, it's, it's positively affecting everybody in every way. Um, and even, you know, a lot of people said, all oh, the offshores are going to suffer. Not, you know, on the contrary, all the offshore sports books that I've talked to have actually um, had an increase in business. Paul Derby at P Derbs One. Are you in Boston this weekend? Where are you staying? Yeah, I'm gonna be going to Boston most likely. I, you know, I, you know. Again, I know it's it's Thursday. I'm taping this Thursday, but most likely I'm gonna show up. Um, I don't even know where I'm staying, bro. What do you want to come over? Uh, but yeah, you know, I think um, yeah, we'll be drinking and stuff, Paul. Uh, usually it's one of the, one of those hotels right by the conference or whatever. I'll be at the bar, so um, maybe we get together. All right, Derek Lou at Derek Lou fifteen for a regular independent better. What are some good ways to find more PPH accounts to play on? Um, you know, Derek, that's what I struggle with every day. Um. You know, I'm always trying to find outs. So, a regular guy, I don't know, you know, go to a sports bar, talk to the bartender, say, hey, listen, got any outs? I like to bet. If a bartender is not the bookmaker, he probably knows who the local bookmaker is. I think that's the best way to go. Crispy's underscore luck. You never get into racing at all? There are people slash syndicates that do what you do in a sport in a similar nature with horse information. Yeah, you know, we tried it, and we failed. Uh, tried to do the racing thing a little bit a few years ago, and we didn't do well. Um, you know, you got to understand, you know, for every one successful idea that anybody does or anybody stumbles upon, um, there's probably 99 or 999 or 9,999 failures. Um, so I'm not afraid to fail, uh, and I keep trying new shit, I'll, I'll always keep trying new stuff, and I know there's some guys that have mastered the racing, even at, on this gambling trip that I was on, you know, I probably, probably the best horse player in the world uh, was right there, sitting right next to me, we were just, you know, bullshitting, so, um, these guys are the best in the world, they know what's up, and, um, it just wasn't, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, not my thing. I just tried it and I couldn't do it. Um, I failed. And, and that's okay to fail. Um, I can't be the best in the world at everything. I can't, you know, you just try to do what you do and try to be good enough to be able to make an income and um, and provide and, and, and that's it. And, you know, I stumbled upon the sports thing. Doing pretty good at that. Um, and, um, and that's it. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things you got to keep trying for anybody, you know, anybody out there, just keep trying and don't be afraid to fail because that's just part of the process of getting better and better and better. Um, 
But yeah, I did try the horse racing, and there's a lot of great horse players out there, professionals that do it. And like I said, I met probably the world's best. Um, and you know, we, but we're all in the same breed. We're all cut from the same cloth. We're all trying to get the edge. Some are better than others. Um, some do it in different ways. But that's what I love about hanging out with gamblers and, and guys that are uh, advantage players, and that just try to you know just always try to find the edge. And try to be able to, to um, to be able to realize that edge in different ways. So um, it you know it's kind of like that's my people, you know. So all right, all P three at R underscore F underscore P underscore three, lot of underscores. Have you ever been betting? Have you been betting on XFL? There's been a lot of line movement on spreads. Uh, you know, we've dabbled a little bit, but you got to understand RP3, XFL, what do you got? Four games a week. You know, right now in basketball, you look at college, NBA combined, we're in hundreds of games a week. So it's one of those things in which, you know what I mean, you, you just got to be able to focus on, on something and go with it. <coughs> and, you know, it, it's, you know, uh, if you're going to try to bet on a sport... Um, just because there's, it's televised, or it's because it's, and again, it's a new sport, so it's hard, you know what I mean, we, we don't kind of know, don't know what the points are worth, you know, you kind of could use the NFL numbers, but, you know, and it, it's hard, you know what I mean, for the line to be that efficient, um, you know, you can't really know if that line is reflective of, of, of what the game is, and you kind of don't know if line movements mean something, you know, there's a lot of sharper guys, a lot more sharper than myself, that can find these things out in a new market. I kind of like to bet an established market where there's a lot of data already in there, and that number is pretty much reflective of the overall confidence on both teams. Um, but other people like to go into that XFL and, and, and these exotic things, and um, it's just not for me. But you know, we'll dabble in it. You know, I mean, nothing crazy though. All right, Coop at Cooper Loop 16. I like that name. At what point do you try to middle in college basketball, specifically totals? How many points do you need? Is two points enough? Yeah, two points is right there. It's kind of like right around the break-even mark. I'd go two and a half if you know if, if you want to try to, you know, make sure you got the edge. But yeah, two points is right where you're at. Um, ship it at slow, loud, banging. How to avoid head fakes. I know he does them, but just some tips with whatever sport you prefer to talk about. Oh, man. That's a deep question, Shippet. Um, you know, kind of like the uh, contra-positive corollary, whatever you want to say, is how do you spot real moves? Um, so, you know... The most important thing is, is just experience, um, and, and that's what it comes down to. There's no true and you know tested formula saying this, 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 then this. You know, you gotta be in it. You gotta feel it. Um, you know, and you gotta spend, you know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of hours doing this. And then once you do that, you get to feel it. Okay. Um, you know, Billy Walters in his prime, he was the master of the head fake. And I've been caught with my pants down God only knows how many times. Where I'd just be sitting there, um, you know, having the wrong side of a game. Um, but then you get good. You kind of learn things. You take notes. You say, wait a minute, I've seen this before. You feel it. And then, you know what I mean, it got to the point in which, you know, any time he tried to do that shit... I just shove it right back in his ass, and that's the thing. You just start learning. Um, you you you, you got to have a feeling for it, and um, and that only comes with experience, you know. And and the people that have this type of experience are are, are guys like me that are like market betters and, and bookmakers that just spend hours upon hours upon hours every single day watching an odd screen and just you know learning how lines are moving. This is something that, you know, very few handicappers do. And um, and, and not too many even guys like me that, you know, it's it just, it takes a lot of time, okay? A lot of time to do this and get good at it. 
And um, listen, if somebody told me it was going to take this long to get good at it, would I have still done it? I don't even know. It's a lot of time invested. But man, you know, once you get good at it and once you know what's up and once you know what to look for and stuff, um, it just becomes second nature. And I know that sounds like a, you know, kind of a cop-out answer, but it really is the truth. Um, because it, the markets are changing every every single year. Every single, not I don't want to say every day, but every year, guys are getting moves first. You see what's happening and you kind of feel it out. And, you know, as a sport starts off in the season, you kind of know, oh, wow. So this bookmaker, they got a sharp guy this year that's really moving stuff that they're respecting. Oh, man, I used to respect that bookmaker, but he fell off. Maybe I shouldn't be looking at him too deep. Stuff like that, you got to just feel it and know it. Because, you know, you know, being a market better, doing a top-down approach like I do, all I have to see, all I have is line moves, and I have to know how to react to those line moves. Essentially, I'm letting the bookmaker um, indicate to me what kind of bet they're writing and who they're writing that bet from and how much they respect them just on how they move the number. So, um, and you kind of know, you know, what, and, and, and it just takes experience, but once you get it, you know, you, you, you really have it, and you have it forever. So, um, you got to just keep at it, ship it. I know that was a long answer, and, you know, I hope I helped you out there. All right, Kuma, at Kuma Fatato. For the stuff you do, do you factor in how the juice might be distributed between sides? Can you determine that? Does it matter to you? Minus 110, 110, likely 50, 50, but how about minus 40, plus 20, or minus 200, plus 70, and up? Uh, do you factor in how the juice might be distributed between sides? Of course. I'm, if I'm looking at a line, I'm looking at juice, and I'm looking at the spread. Um, so, yeah, kind of trying to understand that question. Um, but, yeah, you know, you definitely, a penny is definitely worth more. The pennies, the, the value of a penny goes down the farther away you get from even money. Okay, so an even, you know, a 10 cent move from even money to minus 110, say, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's a clip of you got to either, you know, hit from 50% to 52.4%. So that's 2.4 percentage points on 10 cents. Very big difference from a game that, say, moves from minus 150 to minus 160. Minus 150, um, that's 3 to 2. Essentially, that's 60% that you got to hit, but minus 160 is, you know, 61.5%, um, so, you know, it's only, you know, those 10 cents, you're only worth 1.5 percentage points versus even money in minus 110, which is worth, you know, double that almost, not double, but like, let's say 2 and 2.4 percentage points, so, yeah, you got to always look at what the penny is, uh, how much it's worth, and, you know, you got to treat things differently. Um, and, and each penny is worth more the closer it is to even money. I hope that answered the question. All right, the flood. Um, this is like a picture I got to click on. Hold on here. All right, let's say you have two partners, John and Bob. John has the pole total at 135 minus 110. Bob has the pole total at 138 minus 110. Majority of the market is sitting at 135 minus 10. While this example is for illustrative purposes only, I assume you would play over in John's account and under in Bob's account. You would have a nice ARB opportunity, but only one of your partners, Bob, would be getting a plus EV play. John won't know that you are using his account for an ARB opportunity. How do you explain the use of accounts, specifically John's, in this example to potential future business partners? Great question. So I would, um, I would, I, I would only, my, anybody that gives me accounts, betting partners accounts, I'm only going to be able to bet numbers that are that are that are going to be able to beat that closing line. I have, if let's just say I'm overexposed on a piece, I have specific cold accounts or buyback accounts that I'm able to be able to to you know bet if I was going to you know hedge off some of my piece because my position was too big. Um, and I have designated cold accounts. Those are not my betting partners accounts. Now don't get me wrong. There are times, let's just say in this example, let's just say where um, John had a total of minus, uh, John had a total of, let's say, 130, 
fall, let's just say. But I think the line's going to close 136. So now I got under 138 with Bob's accounts. I'll still go over 134 in John's accounts because I think that total is going to go back up. I think the bookmaker overmoved. So now I got the best of it in both pieces. Okay? And again, if you beat the total by two points, closing line, you're going to win in the long run. Now, again, on that one piece, Bob might win and John will lose, or John might win and Bob will lose, or both might win. But they both have positive equity, and everything will even itself out as long as I continuously beat the closing line. Now, again, don't get me wrong. Do I always beat the closing line? No. But the majority of the pieces and every betting partner that, I've ever had, that I have or I've ever had can attest that we beat the closing line and do a very good job at doing, uh, at doing so. Um, so that's our thing. But that's a great question, yeah. If I'm going to be able to hedge off or if I'm in the middle of the game, if I have, let's say I'm overexposed, if I have too much on it, um, I, I have cold accounts that, that, are, that I'm able to do so. Okay. Um, next piece, it's System Plays at Fitz underscore Doug. What is your opinion on the... Let's start over. What is your opinion on the validity of so-called sharp action versus so-called public action. Um, is that something valid? Yeah, I, you know, I think um, there's a sharp side, there's a public side. Um, you know, a lot of, oftentimes they're opposite, sometimes they're on the same side. Um, you know, publics tend to always gear towards favorites and overs. Um, and because of the usually you know at least more so back in the day but that would also then inflate unders and dogs for the sharps to be able to take advantage of however if sometimes if the, if the the bookmaker sees that the public and the sharps both like the favorites or both like the over then the bookmaker's like shit you know what i mean i don't know how i gotta find a way to get off this you might have to move a little bit more aggressively to be able to entice a sharp to come in on the other side. But yeah, there's always a public and a sharp side. And and I don't want to say there's always a sharp side or but you know again, it depends. On these high profile games, yes. But sometimes there's like these little shit games where a bookmaker is not really writing much volume on that stuff. So um, you know, it when you say there's a sharp side there could be op opposing sharp sides. It's all about a sharp side at a given number. You know, anybody that says, "Oh yeah, the Paul's a sharp side tonight." Nah, DePaul's not the sharp. DePaul minus five might be the sharp side. Um, but if they're playing, let's just say, you know, Marquette, you know, but Marquette plus eight might also be the sharp side. So it all depends. You can't just say what's a sharp side. The sharp side has to have a number attached to it. Um, and if anybody tells you bet DePaul no matter what the price is, then that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. All right, how many we got left here? This is rocking and rolling. Boom, boom. All right, Boss Sports at Boss Sports. Tell us a story about the worst offshore stiff job, stiff job you've suffered. Worst offshore stiff job I suffered was um, 300 and something thousand. I think it was 318,000. Guy by the name of Burt Booten, famous poker player. You could Google him, Burt Booten, B-O-U-T-I-N. Guy went completely off the wall, off the rocker. I think he went to prison for selling drugs. Um, you know, I heard a few years ago the guy was, you know, he was a World Series of uh, Poker bracelet winner. I heard he was trying to sell his bracelet, 2500 Um, Big drug addict, um, you know, really went downhill. I unfortunately caught him right before he kind of jumped off the cliff. Um, but, yeah, the guy, you know, the guy went nuts. Um, actually called me a few years ago. And I said, what happened, Bert? You win the lottery? You going to pay me? And he said, nah, you know, I, I don't even know what he said. Once he said no, I kind of ignored the rest of it. But, yeah, the guy went, you know, the guy kind of went off the rocker. He was always a little bit eccentric, uh, a little bit nuts. But, yeah, Bert Booten got me pretty good. It sucked, too, because we had a good relationship. He'd pay me 50, 60 dimes every week. Money was good, but, you know, he kind of went mano a mano against me one weekend and was booking a little high, I kind of let the figure get up there, so it was a lot more, you know, a lot my fault, and, um, this was over a decade ago, I think, 
but um, yeah, that was the biggest stiff job. And there's a lot of others, you know. Listen, there's so many of them, um, and uh, it's just part of doing business. You know, it's crazy out there because you know the most important thing for me. And again, you know, you want to be successful, you want to make money. That's very important. But for me, everything is honor. You know, and again, this is like, like how to me to somebody to slow pay or to no pay, not pay a debt. To me, it's just it's it's unfathomable. Like I and and you know, there's a lot of guys out there. There's a lot of guys on Twitter. A lot of famous you know guys that call themselves or famous professional sports betters that I know that have stiffed people. Okay, that um that owe people money that decided not to pay. Real bad things. And these guys are admired by the public. A lot of them well-known guys. I'm not going to name any names, obviously, but I'm just saying. Well-known guys that have stiffed, that have laid down. And it's crazy how somebody could do something like that. Like, how do you live with yourself? You call yourself a good guy, and you try to do the, nice, the right thing. But you know what? You didn't do the right thing. You're only you're only good when, 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 the, when the public is watching you. But how about in private when you owe a debt? And when you're supposed to do the right thing. And this guys I've dealt with business for years. Like it's tough. It's crazy out there. Guys get over their head. They become degenerates. They start gambling when they're not supposed to gamble. Guys would tell me, you know, that they would they would give me accounts and then they would start tailing my plays and try to chase the my bets and they would get worse numbers and just you know, and then if I went on a bad run, they'd get the deeper in a hole. <coughs> It's you know it, it's 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 such a crazy business because it's a sickness you know um, uh, addictive gambling or ga- you know uh, compulsive gambling is such a bad addiction and, and and it ruins lives and you know it's um and and it's hard like you know again I I, I kind of I'm kind of out of that so I can but I, I understand how it, it hurts people but you know. I just operate, at least for me, I try to operate on a professional level, and I try to deal with just, you know, again, being in this Twitter world, you don't really deal with too many pros, um, you kind of deal with bringing in the amateur, a lot of amateur guys, but anybody that's an amateur, you know, if you want to be, make a name for yourself in this business, you want to be successful, the most important thing, there's nothing more important than paying your debts off, doing the right thing being honorable, having a good reputation, and that's how, I, that's like my biggest thing that I have, there's not a soul in the universe that could say I owe the money, not one, um, nobody, because I've always paid my debts, I've never done anybody dirty, I've always, you know, I've never uh, taken money from somebody without the mutual consent of them, you know, book, booking my action, I've, I've never done something, you know, so, so just, it's one of those things in which, you know, we're trading in a market, we're betting, but all this is fun and games, but again, there's money involved, and you want to be able to do the right thing, and if you treat others, and again, I treat others well, and there's guys that don't treat me well, guys, you know, a friend of mine, um, you know, he's just slow paid me, and he just, and I, and I tell people, I'm like, listen, you know, you think you just ignore it and stuff? Listen, you know, you got to make a decision. You either say, "Listen, go f yourself," or "Hey, I'm going to make payment install. I'm going to make a, get on a payment plan. I'm going to make installments. I'm going to do something." Sitting on the fence is such a pussy move. It's just like you know what I mean. Oh, no, I'm just going to ignore you and not talk to you. Come on, grow a set of balls. Do the either do the right thing or do the wrong thing. Don't just sit there and think I'm going to ignore it. And there's so many guys out there in Twitter world and in the business in general. That just you know, that just don't do the right thing, and, and and it's sad that that these guys are 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 in our industry, are in this business, um, it, it because it's um this business is a gentleman's business. It's honor, and, and and the most important thing is to be able when you give your word to somebody, and you say, okay, I'm gonna bet this game, and if I lose, I'm gonna pay. That's the most important thing. To be honorable, it's it's to me, it's everything to me. Everything, nothing is more important. All right, David. At it's David E7. How do you feel about national televised shows that talk about sports betting, such as Lock It Non FS1, that feature fake pro betters such as Todd Furman, that give out long-term losing information to the public? 
great fades, by the way, where you can make money simply fading him. Uh, you know, I don't really watch these shows. Um, these shows are designed for entertainment purposes only. Um, kind of like I remember when I used to play the Paul A cards as a kid on a card, it would always say for entertainment purposes only. Um, but yeah, listen, anybody that talks about sports, usually, for the most part, anybody that has a job that talk about sports, um, why do they have that job talking about sports every day? The reason why is because they're not betting sports every day. So if you talk about betting sports, you're probably not betting sports every day. Um, and again, there might be some exceptions or whatever, but for the most part, that's the case. So look, everybody has a right to earn. I don't want to take anything for anything out away from them. Um, I just, you know, being in this game and doing this for so long, and for somebody to simplify what I do to simply, you know, create a story on, yeah, this guy, you know, every time he was at this stadium, he was, you know, 10 and 1 and this and that, and every time, you know, they went up against this field, you know, I think this is a great man, you know, again, they'll just talk, 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 bullshit, pa 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 you know what I mean, and to just simplify it, to just be able to just talk it out, to me, that's just story. That's story time. Okay, it's 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 like, hey, everybody, let's read a story. You know, gather around, kids. I'm gonna tell you a story. No, no, this isn't story. This I, I'm not into stories. I'm into real. While you're talking about doing this, I'm watching numbers move. It's this is numbers. Everything is numbers. Everything's lines. Okay, so I, 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 when I'm engulfed in this shit and I'm 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 embedded in it and I'm watching these numbers move, I don't want to hear any stories. Okay. I don't, I don't, you know, you want to tell me somebody's out, somebody's in, that's different. But if you want to tell me why this team's better than the other, that's something that's not for me. Okay? Some guys might like that. Obviously, these plays, these shows, I guess, get good ratings, and the public loves that shit. I can never do that. I can't even name a player or two players on any team. I can't justify why I'm betting one thing. No, none of that. Because I'm betting in real time as it happens, as lines are moving. And I'm ex I'm trading. That's it. It's it's just I don't need to know anything about this shit. Everything is a number. I know what every half a point is worth. I I anticipate where numbers are gonna be going. I anticipate where numbers are gonna be closing. And that's what I do. That's it. So um when it comes to shows like that, um I really, you know, I, I don't that's just not my cup of tea. Alright, Proppy, at Queen Proppy. When assessing if and by how much you are beating the closing line, do you remove the VIG? If so, can you take us through your calculation to remove the VIG? Equal removal on both sides. Um, okay. So let's just say, uh, let's just say a half a point on a college basketball total is worth about five cents. Um, so if you beat a college basketball total, um, beat the closing line by about a half a point, then you know what? It's not you know you're still kind of like not getting. You're still laying 110. It's not enough. If you beat it by a point, let's just say, now you kind of like break even. So if you beat it by one and a half points, then maybe you're you're starting to get into the positive because you know if you're gonna go from minus 110, you kind of go down a line minus 05, even money. Then you know if if you're able to get something, if you're able to lay 110 on a game. Um, and you're able to beat it, let's just say, by uh, by 15 cents more or less, um, then you're starting to get into earned territory. You know, two points would probably be better, but one and a half points, you're you're, you're right around there. So, and again, it, it just you kind of want to like go down to what the e what the man to man price is, and, and and then go from there. Um, so yeah, you just take out the vig, know what your man to man price is. And um, and try to make up that juice by by gaining extra points. Hope that made sense. But. All right, Steve Tarzano at NJ Electronics. <laughs> NJ Electronics. Which PPH shop is the easiest for you to make money betting into? Which PPH shop is the hardest? You know, Steve. That's one question, honestly, brother. I'm not going to answer that question. Uh, reason being is because if I tell you who's the easiest publicly like this, then that place is going to sharpen up maybe. 
they might be listening or somebody in the office might be listening um and if I tell you they're the hardest you know it's just um I don't think anybody's really super hard so I kind of don't want to really mention names everybody's everybody's vulnerable everybody's uh susceptible to getting spanked by the spankster so I kind of you know I, I you know there's some more than others definitely I just can't really get into the details of that I'm keeping it real um it just doesn't benefit me in any way but um you know I I think that if you just you know it's pretty obvious just look at how slow some of these places are the slower you are usually the more beatable you are all right last question Tuple at NewUI5 you said that you can't beat NFL market this market has more rec money than any other major market I think the public money NFL could be an advantage for someone like yourself how is it that you find profit in less liquid markets with less public action um that's a good question I, you know listen we've tried to beat every market eventually I'm just telling you that the NFL for us is very hard to beat uh, we had a good season but overall I'm probably you know break even maybe slight winner in the NFL maybe you know or I'm probably losing I, and I haven't, we really haven't run the numbers but it's um it's tough NFL is not something if I could get away with not betting the NFL I probably would um, but then again uh, it's important to bet the NFL because you have to do that in order for the accounts to last so um, it's uh, you know just because you know usually the more liquid a market is um, the more efficient the market is um, so just looking at limits you know English Premier League NFL they're taking big limits um, you know a bookmaker is not going to offer big limits unless he feels his line is as efficient as possible so um, whereas a bookmaker that's taking small limits he knows he's vulnerable and um, and he knows it's going to take a while to get to the right number so he doesn't want to overexpose himself NFL EPL different story it's just very efficient markets and NFL is one of those things that it's just there's just never enough data never enough games um, to be able to kind of like uh, extrapolate a lot of meaningful information it's just harder um, so <coughs> the num a lot of the numbers guys it's hard to do the public you know and any on any given week any team can win the public is like what the heck you know what I mean it, it's just hard all around um, the NFL is the bookmakers best friend it's the reason why bookmake you know without the NFL um, bookmakers would really um, US bookmakers uh, would, would suffer a significant significant loss um, so NFL is very very important for the bookmakers and um, and if, if it's important for the bookmakers if the bookmakers make a lot of money betting the NFL um, that means guys like me don't now don't get me wrong I'm just speaking for myself there might be other sharp guys that beat the NFL God bless them um, if there are there are very very few and um, you know and somebody that could do it consistently year after year after year you know since Billy Walters has been around I'm not too sure uh, that even exists um, somebody having a good year or two is not going to really tell anybody much because there's, there's just not enough games so let's just say somebody's betting I don't know five games a week um, on the NFL or six let's call it five games a week 17 week season you know what are you doing you're betting under 100 games come on it's just it's just not enough data not enough to know that you know I really have a true edge on it um, whereas college basketball you know with hundreds of games a week um, and the season is thousands of games you'll know right away after just you know you can know after you know even a couple of weeks but definitely even after a season you'll know hey listen oh uh, yeah I could be college basketball or I can't um, and also the line movement in the NFL you know the, 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 the barring an injury the opening line is as strong as it's ever been um, so you know 
when, when, when you have, you know, the difference in the opener and the closer is not that much, you know, it doesn't move that much, then you know the, mar- the market's so efficient, and it's just hard. Um, so, again, you know, we, we really, you know, we hold our own, but at the same time, it's not, it's not the sport I'm going to brag about on which, um, on which we hang our hat on and are successful. Now, a lot of touts out there will say, yeah, I got the NFL pick. Why? Because touts are always going to attack what the public likes to watch, what the public is interested in, okay? So every t- a lot of touts are going to go after you and say, I could beat the NFL. Why are they going to do that? Because they, the public wants to watch the games, the public enjoys watching the games, and they'd love to be able to get winning NFL plays. So that's why a tout will attack the NFL and say, yeah, we could beat the NFL. Um, and a tout that does that is just, you know, um, focusing in on, on on the emotions of that degenerate gambler that's looking for answers. Um, so, you know, be careful with stuff like that. You know, uh, beating the NFL, especially as a tout, oh my God. You know, not only do you have to overcome that V, you got to pay a fee. It really gets crazy. You know what I mean? It's, it's like... Uh, Every bookmaker, you know, bookmakers don't take big limits on the NFL uh, out of coincidence here. They, you know, they do it for a reason. They know that they got the best of it. So I would definitely tread lightly, and um, at least that's just for me. And, and I just kind of like, you know, you know, dabble a little, of course, um, but that's not my thing. All right, everybody, thanks so much for the questions. I appreciate it. Hope I was able to answer a few things. It makes me think a little bit when I answer some of these questions. Um, and I enjoy doing it. I hope I'm able to help shed some light on some of this stuff. I, you know, I have no idea if I'm helping others out there, but I'm getting good feedback. But, you know, let me know if you guys, um, you know, if you get a lot, if you got something out of it, that would be great for me to know. I ain't wasting my time talking into the wind. And um, we'll try to record another episode in the next week or two. Thanks so much for the time. Until next time.